Lord, like the boy Samuel in the temple, we say to you, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Lord, give us ears to hear what you would say to us and help us to apply it to our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke, from the sixth chapter. Jesus says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to, them, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And then these words from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And then finally, these words from Paul's letter to the Ephesians where he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So often I read scripture and I just want to say amen and call that the sermon. I mean, 
what more can I say? But we trust the Spirit will speak through those words and uh, through my broken words that uh, they might be, they may find more, even more illumination through His Spirit. As a, as a couple approached the door of a hotel where a reception was being given, the one person turned to another and said, how long do we have to stay at the party? In other words, what's the minimum? What's the least we can get away with? The couple felt like they had a social obligation, they needed to show up, but they were anxious to get away as soon as possible without offending the host. So they figured out how little they could safely invest in this particular occasion. This is a common approach to life. I mean, is it not? People looking to fulfill only the minimum that is expected of them. When a teacher gives an assignment, the invariable response is, how long does a paper have to be? How many pages? How many words? You can count on that every time. A youngster who's practicing the piano keeps an eye glued on the clock, ticking down until quitting time. And then as soon as that buzzer goes off, the end of practice, off they go. They wouldn't think of practicing even longer than that. I remember hearing a store clerk not long ago saying, only 45 minutes until closing time. I can't wait to get out of here. All of us deal with some situations by asking, what is the minimum demanded of us? What can I uh, get by with? And then if we fulfill the minimum, we are satisfied. We also have a tendency to size up every situation by the payoff. We not only ask, well, what is the minimum required, but what is the profit for us? What's in it for me? So we carefully calculate the benefits that will accrue to us from an investment of time or entering into a relationship or undergoing a project. And so you have discussions like, well, what is the payoff of a college education? Or a, a person is invited to join a civic club, you know, like Rotary, and uh, the person calculates what such membership will mean in terms of business contacts. What's in it for me? Now, practically speaking, it's not a bad idea to assess life situations you know, by minimum expectations and personal profit. I mean, that's legitimate. But just about everybody approaches life's dealings this way. But Jesus offers us a different perspective in all, on all this. So listen again to his words where he says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And, and if you do good to those who are good to you, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. So life on the basis of minimum requirements 
and careful calculation of personal benefit would lead persons to love those who love them, to do good to those who do good to them, and to lend to those whom they know will pay them back. But then Jesus keeps asking that pointed question, well, what credit is that to you? So you love those who love you. Big deal. Do you deserve a medal? So you do good to those who do good to you. Everybody does that. Should you get a bonus? Jesus questions the adequacy of a life that asks only, what is the minimum required and what's in it for me? As you and I consider how we relate to people and deal with varied situations in our life, the question of Jesus forces us to take a fresh look at what we are doing. What credit is that to you? More positively, the question is, what special grace are you expressing in the way you deal with others? What special grace are you expressing in the way you deal with others? Our Lord calls his disciples, his, to his, his followers, you and me, to a higher kind of life that goes beyond the minimum required. Christ calls us to express a higher kind of love that goes beyond self-interest. The love to which Christ calls us is a love that is extravagant and extraordinary and all-embracing. It's a love that goes far higher and deeper and broader, wider than what passes for love in our culture today. Real love, for instance, doesn't depend upon the lovableness of the other. Now, it's one thing, you know, to love a pretty five-year-old girl in a pink dress. I, you know, who wouldn't love somebody like that? and wouldn't want to be loved by that little person as well. But to love an intoxicated old man who's in filthy clothes and standing in our way on the pavement, I mean, that's another, right? It takes special grace to express love for that kind of person, even though maybe he's in that situation because of his own wrong choices. Take special grace to love the pesky beggar at the door. And real love does not demand that it be reciprocated. Now, of course, it's always nice when we do something nice for somebody, to, for somebody to say, well, thank you, I really appreciate it, and so on. But there is an unconditional character to love that goes way beyond the careful calculation of what we're going to get back in return what love and marriage is all about, right? In sickness and in health. We love even when the other person isn't giving anything back. I mean, there may come a time in families where a teenager may break away from their parents in a spirit of defiance and rebellion, and he may totally reject, totally reject his parents' values and everything they stand for, criticize everything they've ever done, you know, and he may be uh, downright unruly and offensive and maybe even run away. And parents in their anger may be tempted to disown that child of theirs 
But love never gives up. Love always perseveres. It always hangs in there, even if it isn't reciprocated. Keeps on caring, even when the other person doesn't seem to care an iota about you. So seeking the minimum, doing only what's absolutely required, being concerned about what is profitable, loving only those who will return love, these may be the principles that guide the behavior of most folks. But Jesus says to you and to me who would follow him, that's not good enough for those who indeed belong to him. Jesus Christ asks more of us. In fact, in a parallel passage in the Gospel of Matthew, he directly asks, what more are you doing than others? There is a special character to the Christian life that should make us stand out from the crowd. The famous German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it well. What makes the Christian different from other people is the peculiar, the extraordinary, the unusual, that which is not a matter of course. It is the more, the beyond all that. For Jesus, the hallmark of the Christian is the extraordinary. Man, that kind of hits you between the eyes, doesn't it? Because that kind of leads to a, a question that we might ask ourselves. Is there anything about me that is special or extraordinary that can only be explained by my, by my relationship to Jesus Christ? A special grace should mark our lives, making us different from the rest of the crowd. A special grace because we follow Jesus. And hopefully that special grace will show in the way we love people more. One day, Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times? The standard teaching in Judaism at the time was uh, three times. You, you can forgive your brother three times and then, you know, <laughs> what can you do? Kind of reminds me of the three strikes and you're outlaw. Peter thought he was being pretty generous by saying, by doubling the number three, right? And adding one to make seven, which is the number, the, the Hebrew number for completion. So Peter was actually still looking for the minimum. How, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus answered in a way that would have absolutely astonished Peter and all his followers. I tell you, Peter, not only seven times, but 70 times seven. So that according to Jesus, there should be no end to our forgiving and to our loving. Contrary to all expectation, his followers were to exhibit the peculiar, the extraordinary, the unusual, that which is not a matter of course. It is the more, 
the beyond all that quality of life. Extraordinary, the unusual, the peculiar. Back in 2006, there was a very horrific schoolhouse shooting in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. This was Amish territory. The Amish can trace their lineage back to the Swiss Christian communities of the 16th and the 17th centuries, communities that chose to forsake all worldliness in the name of Christ. Well, on one fine October day, a deranged milkman who was not Amish barged into that schoolhouse, lined up the school kids and shot them point blank and five of the kids died and five were severely wounded. And then he killed himself, which was deemed sad only because he could not be properly prosecuted for his grisly crime. And of course, there was such incredible shock and grief, emotions that you would expect. But the response of the grieving Amish community took a very unusual turn. Whereas the shooter unleashed his anger on the innocent, the Amish chose to bestow forgiveness on the guilty. The Amish community chose not to write the killer off as totally evil. In fact, they asked their people not to think of that shooter as evil. They reached out to the shooter's widow and children. They attended the shooter's funeral in the graveyard of his wife's Methodist church. And when financial resources came pouring in for the care of the future welfare of the Amish families impacted by the event, the Amish at the same time set up a fund for the shooter's family, for the killer's three kids. And they asked the, the shooter's family to attend the, their kids' funerals because the Bible says to mourn with those who mourn. The Amish response to this dark, horrific tragedy is extremely unusual. In fact, I remember thinking of it at the time when I heard about their response. That's weird. That's really weird. How could they do that? How could they forgive somebody like that? But the Amish felt that Jesus was calling them to the extraordinary response of forgiveness and love. They were putting their faith into practice. I mean, that's an extreme example, but there's a lesson here for us. Jesus does not call us to be normal. We should be really peculiar. <laughs> kind of weird in our society. And I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, you know, if we actually lived by the teachings of Jesus, we would stand out like a sore thumb. And I thought, well, maybe not a sore thumb. I mean, <laughs> we don't want to cause pain for people, unnecessary pain, but still... We're called to the extraordinary so that people will wonder what makes us tick. 
And too often, we are blending in with everybody else, and we just do what the crowd does. We choose not to stand out. We play the role of a chameleon. Jesus asks, what more are you doing because you follow me? A prominent Christian leader was known for his willingness to help needy people and social and financial problems. And, and when asked why he took the time out of his busy schedule to do this, he replied, when I was a boy, I worked in our family grocery store. I was taught that I should never ask a customer, is that all? Instead, I was told to say, isn't there anything else? I have carried this philosophy over into my Christian life and work. Man, you want to get ahead in your job? Just don't, just, just do, don't do the minimum. Say to your, ask your boss, hey, what else can I do? What more can I do for us to be part of the team? That's one way. That's how you advance, you know. So true in our Christian life. What more can I do for you, Lord? In fact, real love always asks, is there anything else I can do to show your love for this person, Lord? What more can I do for you? And that sort of love really stands out in our world of minimum standards. So that if you and I are truly reflecting the light of Christ's love, we ought to stand out. And so Jesus says we're to be like the city on a hill, letting our light shine so that everybody can see our good works and so glorify our Father in heaven. And the Apostle Paul exhorts us to shine like stars in this crooked and depraved generation, holding out the word of life. So that if you and I are ever tempted to take satisfaction in the fact that we do about as well as other people do in our dealings with others, the question of Jesus afflicts the conscience. Well, what credit is that to you? To be sure, Jesus is laying on us a heavy commandment. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and lend and expect nothing in return. I mean, that's a really tall order for us, right? That is not natural to us. It seems like that's another impossible burden, and you know what? You and I don't need another burden. I mean, we feel guilty enough, hard enough just living our lives. We don't need another big burden placed upon us. We don't like to be told to do more and to love more. But the good news is that when Christ calls us to this extraordinary kind, to be this kind of extraordinary person who loves lavishly and unconditionally, he provides the spiritual resources that make it possible. So that when you and I commit ourselves to Christ, we, we acknowledge him to be Lord and we accept the challenge of living his way, the Spirit of God indwells our hearts, dwells in us, empowering us to love as Christ loves, so that we're able, yes, even to love our enemies and the people who treat us poorly. 
He enables us to do what we could not otherwise do in our own human power. This is a very important truth to grasp. That when we invite Christ into our life, he is really there. He indwells us and he gives us power to do what he commands. We're not left on our own in our own human devices because we would never make any progress. It's a spiritual truth, a spiritual reality. And the thing is, we need to get our own ego out of the way so that more of him can live in us. And so Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then Paul goes on to say, and he's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Christ in us, the hope of glory, says Paul, our hope the mystery of the gospel in us, Christ in you and me. So he makes possible the extraordinary, the unusual, the beyond all that. You and I are always tempted to adopt to the standards of the world around us, to get by with doing as little as possible and trying to ensure that we will get our fair share out of every transaction out of every situation. It's simply not enough to ask, what's the minimum I can get by with, and what's in it for me? Because living by minimums makes you a minimum person. And who wants to be a minimum person? On the other hand, asking, what more can I do for you, Lord? And loving as Christ loved, lavishly and freely, being kind, yes, even to the ungrateful and to the wicked, is an invitation to expand who we are until we truly live as children of God, reflecting God's character and likeness. And Jesus says, if you live this way, your reward will be great and you will be called children of the Most High. In other words, it's an invitation to maximum living. Making maximum impact upon the world for Jesus Christ. May God, in Christ, enable us to live to the max, exhibiting an extraordinary kind of love to his everlasting glory. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.